that he has respect for the human mind. We know that because he gave us a revealed word over the course of history Mm -hmm. that we have to use our minds critically to understand. I think that shows that the Lord has a respect for the human mind that he created. And he has relayed these beautiful truths to us that the more we read and study them, we never run out of something to learn. Mm. That's just astonishing to me and exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he, he expects his people to think, and I love that you use the term Christian thinker. He expects his people to think we are not called to a blind faith. Hey, and welcome back to the All Things All People podcast. You just heard a clip from our guest this week, which is our new friend to All Things All People, Miss Felicia Masonheimer. Let's give it up for Felicia. So if you're listening to this show and you don't know who Felicia is, you're in for a treat. Felicia is a, a tremendous influence on social media. I make sure to say in the interview that I don't even like calling someone like her an influencer. Because, you know, the connotations we have with influencers are people who, like, try and get free stuff on social media um, or, you know, they don't have anything wrong in their life. Felicia, I like to say, is an influence on social media. Um, Tremendous following. I think she's got, like, upwards of 70,000 people who follow her on Instagram, of which I am one. I know that. I think you guys both are. I know Josh is Ben. If you aren't, make oh sure yeah, you I regularly bomb her quizzes. Yeah, so. she's got these Bible mm-hmm. quizzes, which they're they're pretty hard. Um, we we took one today, the day that we were recording this intro, and, and Josh and I actually uh, was messing with you earlier, and I forgot to follow up. I got two wrong on the quiz today. Oh, so. you so oh, wow, good. Really? Yeah. So um, I did pretty good on that one. Yes, yeah. one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we're excited for you to hear from her. Um, she has been a big influence on all things, all people, and how we navigate the perils of social media because she does such a good job Mm -hmm. and she's been super generous to all things all people already if you follow us on instagram there is about a 30 percent chance that you follow us on instagram (laughs) because felicia masonheimer told you to because our social media following grew rapidly after felicia gave us what probably is the best shout out in the history of of shout outs we love you felicia we love you felicia so so also coinciding with today, the April, I think it's April 5th, the day that we're launching this, publishing this episode is also somewhat like Felicia. We have a pop-up shop that is launching today and only lasts two weeks. So yeah. make sure, yeah, woo, yeah, pop-up shop. So make sure to go to the link in the show notes, um, to allthingsallpeople.org, to the link in the bio of the All Things All People Instagram. And go check out that pop-up shop. This is audio format, so we can't show you what's there, but this stuff's really good. Um, think like a Christian brand stuff, and it's going to do uh, wonders in just helping you tell the world what it is that you're about and who it is that you're about and uh, what you're chasing after, and that is uh, to be a follower of Jesus and to think like him. And so that's what we're all about, and that is what Felicia is all about in our ministries her ministry, Every Woman a Theologian, which seeks to do just that, to teach um, all women what it takes to be theologically minded. Um, and of course, uh, some some men, at least three men <laughs> uh, as well. And so, so yeah, I'm tremendously excited 
uh, and I know that you guys are too. It's going to be a blessing. It's a fantastic conversation. Check out all the information for her ministry and for all the endeavors that she uh, goes out on, as well as ours in the show notes. But with no further ado, we want to make sure to give as much time to the conversation that we had with our Christian thinker for this week, Miss Felicia Masonheimer. My next guest lives in Northern Michigan, where she and her husband, Josh, run Every Woman, a Theologian, where she teaches women they can be, quote, the kind of theologian who drives to her corporate job every morning, who knows what it's like to be single at 30, or who juggles babies while her husband travels for work. She truly believes every woman should be a theologian. Every woman should be a student of the heart of God. She is the host of the Verity Podcast and the author of many self-published books, as well as the very successful Stop Calling Me Beautiful, a book that has influenced many people that even I know personally. Teaching her huge social media following, of which I'm a follower, almost daily, any of her followers have come to learn just how well she guards her time to prioritize her faith, family, and business. So it is with that in mind that I'm especially honored to have on the show today, Felicia Masonheimer. Felicia, thank you so, so, so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. This is so exciting. Um, it is exciting. And, and I, I need to go ahead and say, and I forgot to say this pre-show, I mentioned to you how big of a fan my wife is. A friend of my wife's name is Courtney. So Courtney is a tremendous fan of you. Actually introduced me to following you on social media. My other friend, who's a huge fan of yours, her name is Trinity. She told me yesterday that you are literally the only reason she has an Instagram. So, <laughs> so, uh, I'm so honored. Yeah. So what is it like? Um, I, I refrained from calling you an influencer in the intro because influencer has all these weird connotations, but I don't know that there's a better word to actually describe what you do because you do influence so many people. What has it been like over the last few years to see this huge social media following and, um, you're, you're doing Q and A's, you're doing courses, all sorts of things that have really taught women and men. Um, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What have the last few years been like for you? Honestly, Jeremy, I would only describe it as heavy. And I don't mean to be like depressing, yeah. but it does feel very heavy in the sense that every time I am online, I sense the weight of that responsibility yeah. and I don't take it lightly. I didn't start out doing this with the goal of being what it is today. Mm -hmm. I kind of just took these little steps and walked through the doors that the Lord opened. And so kind of looking at what it is now, I'm very excited for what the Lord has done through it. But I also, every day that I am on social media or I'm, uh, you know, writing a blog post or working on a, a book deadline, I am so aware of the weight of that responsibility and um, conscious that these are real hearts and minds yeah. that I am stewarding. Um, and so it's just, it's a, it's a privilege and I am so excited to get to talk about theology. Cause I just mm -hmm. love talking about the heart of the Lord and what he's doing in, in our world. But at the same time, I just think, wow, I need to be accountable. I need to be careful. I need to be yeah. thoughtful because this is, it's a heavy thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I followed you on Instagram, um, which if, if somebody doesn't follow you, go to the show notes. It, it is a tremendous follow. And my friend Trinity says it uh, somewhat facetiously, but um, you are a lot of people that I know's favorite follow on Instagram. It has to be heavy, though. Um, it reminds me somewhat. I listened to uh, Justin Brierley's show ask N.T. Wright anything. And every time N.T. Wright gets a question that's pastoral in nature, he almost always throws up a road sign and says, oh, let me tell you, I cannot be your pastor. And I mm -hmm. see you fielding so many questions from primarily women, of course, and having that same heart to say, you know, I am not your counselor. I am not your pastor. Um, I'm a woman on social media that you follow. Um, how personally, like, have you and your husband, Josh, how have you guys guarded yourself from that feeling of like, oh goodness, like it, you, not only are you protecting the hearts of the people you follow, but, but yours and your husband's as well. I think so much of this really, it really became even more clear to me with the Ravi Zacharias mm -hmm. um, scandal mm -hmm. that happened yeah. when his sin was exposed and it was exposed that the people around him didn't actually even believe he was capable of falling. Mm -hmm. um, I've been thinking about this long before that happened with Ravi that it is important that Josh and I, like you said, be guarding our hearts. And we also be guarding the hearts of those who are following us and yeah. directing their hearts to where they can get the best help. It would be wrong of me to step into a role that I'm not called to, that I'm not educated in or equipped to such as counseling or mm -hmm. pastoring when someone has really specific needs and struggles for me to try and send a DM reply mm -hmm you know, and deal with all of that would be a disservice to them. And yeah. I think what can happen for a lot of Christian influencers today, um, as the numbers go up and up and up and people are contacting you, it can be easy to feel like you have to be everybody's savior. Mm. When in fact, at the, at the end of the day, the point of that social media account should be to direct people back to their actual local church body. Mm -hmm. You may be a voice they appreciate listening to, but you should be pointing them to their church body and pointing them to their own study of the word. You want them yeah. to be independent and interdependent with the church. You don't want them dependent on you. And so, yeah, we have a lot of boundaries to protect ourselves a lot of boundaries with technology and mm -hmm. a lot of boundaries, even with our followers for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you do a tremendous job. I've seen you, I've seen you in the midst of Q and A's and everything, you know, basically say things like this is the last question. Cause I have to go feed my baby or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, basically that kind of similar reminder, um, that I've seen other people use of like, I am not your pastor. I'm not your counselor. And I think that's important. And also, like you said, you didn't set out to do what you're doing now, it, at least not in the same fashion. It, it was the idea of every woman can be a theologian. And you think in some respect, every woman should. Um, and the way you do this is phenomenal to those listening. Uh, you have ebook. We mentioned the, the published book, uh, Stop Calling Me Beautiful, which was like number one on the Christian list in 2020. Um, then you have a bunch of self-published books. I don't know how you write as much as you do. It's, it's really impressive. Um, it, it, a master at time management, but online courses, you have pop-up shops with merchandise that is directing people back to that vision one coming up in June, but it's all centered around this idea of, of that every woman can be a theologian. So how, how do you get women to believe in that vision that you don't have to be John Calvin or even a man to be a theologian, because you and I, we actually graduated from the same uh, alma mater. And 
you know, we were joking pre-show that like you were almost always one, maybe of two in every Bible or theology class that you took. And I think that's somewhat reflective of the uphill battle you have. So how do you get women to buy into that vision? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because yes, the classes that I was in, I was often one of two or three women, Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the tracks were biblical studies or pastoral tracks. And I was in a, I was in that kind of a track. And so I wasn't intending to become a pastor, but it still left me as one of the, one of the few women in those classes. And I do think a lot of women think, well, if I'm not going into formal ministry, um, I don't need to know theology because that's for somebody who's going to lead a church. But the reality is the definition of theology is simply the study of the nature of God. And then in a Christian context, it's often systemized and there are terms given to express the nature of God. So so for instance, the word Trinity, it's not found in the Mm -hmm. Bible, but it expresses the concept, right? So as Christian women own the idea of being theologians, not in the C.S. Lewis tweed jacket, smoking right. a pipe kind of way, yeah. but in, <laughs> in the sense that they're students of the nature of God, they begin to understand and make connections between these concepts and these terms and what they're seeing in their Bible mm-hmm. and then how that applies to life. So then when they're going through their day at their corporate job, or mm-hmm. when they are struggling with the breakup, or when they're, you know, taking care of of three kids under the age of five, they actually have a way of translating what's in the Bible to their daily life. They're owning their faith. They're growing in their confidence. And in today's culture, we've got to be able to communicate what we believe Mm -hmm. and, and do that graciously. And I really think theology is what helps women do that. And when they get that, when they see the practical connection, then they're actually totally on board. Yeah. And one thing that I've seen in how you communicate that, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only man who follows you on Instagram. There's probably thousands. Um, So, you know, a lot of what you communicate is just as useful for me as a past, as a pastor, as it is for, you know, the, the single mother who might be listening to you. But what I think is special about your message and how you communicate it is I've seen this, um, it's like this fabric of like the idea of getting people to understand that the devotional is the theological. Like I've heard you say this and I wrote this down actually in the notes app of my my phone, like months and months ago uh, with not even you being on a podcast in mind. And you, you talked about how Mary heard Jesus first. And it was this amazing thought. And you put so much out on social media. You probably don't even remember saying that, but you, you were talking about Mary hearing Jesus first in that while um, the other disciples were arguing about who would be greatest. Mary was already grieving. And you talk about how women have some characteristics that men don't have, and it can lead them to more of a devotional aspect while men get caught up maybe in some, some more of the mm-hmm. compartmentalized aspects of theology. Have you found that helping all people, but especially women understanding that it isn't just reading books, it's actually sitting at the feet of Jesus, which makes you a true theologian? Yes, because there's actually a quote by C.S. Lewis. It's from the foreword to Athanasius's um, On the Incarnation. So mm-hmm. like ancient book translated from Greek, yeah. C.S. Lewis <laughs> happened to write the foreword. So yeah. it's like the spot you would never mm-hmm. really know where to find it. But he says in this in this short passage that you will be surprised at how doctrine 
leads you to intimacy with God that you might think it'd be boring. You might think that it'd be hard to read, but when you sit there and you work through it, as he said, with a pen and a pipe in your teeth, Mm -hmm. you actually find yourself being drawn to worship. Mm -hmm. And so I have seen this over and over as women who at first are skeptical. They'll tell me I was skeptical at first. I felt like this was too much for me. I felt like I would never use it. Why do I a stay at home mom need this have discovered that actually it does make them excited. It does bring them to a deeper understanding of the Lord and therefore a deeper love for him because, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we love who we trust, Mm -hmm. who we know we, Mm -hmm. we, our love is a response to that trust. And that trust comes from being exposed to his heart. In that sense, then do you think, and we'll pick on guys like me and guys like the ones who sat next to you in Bible classes, like, do you think then that maybe the ones who do think they are theologians maybe aren't as much as they think, because it is more theoretical and exercise than than saying, you know, you, you know what you love and you love what you know, like so many men and women, it doesn't matter, but so many people in the Christian spheres know so much about the Bible and know so much about Jesus, but it has not infiltrated their spiritual life. So, um, you know, kind of just speak to that because I think you have this alternative medium now, like you're not teaching a college course, you're not usually publishing through, uh, publishers. Um, what would your message be to maybe men or women who say like, you know, maybe the theology aspect has not made it to their heart yet? I think you bring up a really good point that theology is only as good as the intimacy you have with God. Mm -hmm. Because if, if your theology is divorced from the character of God, which is all loving, merciful, just kind, all the fruits of the spirit start with him. Mm -hmm. If it's just like this head knowledge and it never works its way into the core of who you are and therefore into the relationships with the people around you, it's honestly useless Mm -hmm. because Christian theology has to be rooted in the world that that's, it has to be Mm -hmm. because Christ came to earth to bring us that salvation. So therefore the character of God is connected to the, to the presence of God among his people on earth. So you really, you cannot divorce what you know in your head from what should be going on in your heart and from what's going on in your heart to how you treat the people around you. Unfortunately, we can get that mixed up. And what I usually say is just make sure that for the amount of time you're spending in these theological books and studying theology, that you're spending just as much time in prayer and in worship with the Lord, your personal time with God, I think, especially if anyone listening is hoping to do ministry and and Jeremy, you could probably speak just as much to this. I think it's so easy to think, well, because I'm studying theology or I'm preparing Mm -hmm. for a sermon or I'm preparing to speak, that's my time with the Lord. But what ends up happening is you become this like funnel of, of God information. Mm -hmm. And it's just going through you to other people. Mm -hmm. You're not becoming a sponge. A sponge holds that information in sponge, maybe not the best analogy because we want things to grow out of a sponge. We don't want the sponge just to sit there and mold either, but you're holding the information in It's coming into you and it's staying there and it's changing you. Mm -hmm. You're not just this funnel of information to other people. So that intimacy with God, that personal walk with him is so vital if you're going to engage with theology, because otherwise it's, it's just like studying like the sciences. It has no, you know, 
yeah. real influence on your spiritual life. Yeah. When I first graduated college undergraduate, like I thought, and you know, like, like we've already mentioned, like we, we have some very similar backgrounds in educationally. Like I thought I knew everything. And I thought when I got to the, I'm actually still at the church that I got, I, I, I've only served at one church, but um, they tell me now, and it humbles me quite a bit that like, I used to demonstrate how much I knew um, in quite, you know, in, in very obvious ways. And, but it was like, I didn't see a key unlocking in my ministry until I stopped really caring about making sure everybody knew how much I knew and really just mm -hmm. understanding like people don't really want my knowledge. They want my attention and my time and my love and caring knowledge can come later. Um, and so that's why I do love the work that you guys do so much, not just that it's for women, but that it's for people who might not feel as if you know, they're not going to go to school for four years. They're not going right. to, they're not going to study. Um, and it, it resonates very much with what all things, all people does, because part of our mission is to raise up generations of Christian thinkers. So you throw around this word theologian, we throw around this phrase, Christian thinkers, and those are pretty lofty. Um, and, and I think when most people hear them, they kind of like, okay, well, they must be talking about somebody else. Um, but what I hear from you and what I know from our side of it is like, we're really just trying to address the mind and the heart, you know, mm -hmm. and not just the brain or, um, you know, your teaching and making sure that you teach the right way. Like, so what, what place does the mind, um, and just the, the renewing of our minds have in communicating to women, the goal of being a theologian? It has such a strong place. I think one of the things I admire so much about the Lord sounds kind of weird, but I feel like that's, I think <laughs> yeah. that's just like, he, he is, you know, the personal relationship yeah. makes me think I admire this about mm -hmm. him, that he has respect for the human mind. We know that because he gave us a revealed word over the course of history mm -hmm. that we have to use our minds critically to understand. I think that shows that the Lord has a respect for the human mind that he created. And he has relayed these beautiful truths to us that the more we read and study them, we never run out of something to learn. Mm. That's just astonishing to me and exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he, he expects his people to think and I love that you use the term Christian thinker. He expects his people to think we are not called to a blind faith. Mm -hmm. We are not, we've never been asked to check our brains at the door. We have a historically rooted, historically evidenced faith. And yes, faith is a part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are mystical aspects of the Christian faith that you can't explain the resurrection, the virgin birth, certainly, but ultimately it is a, a faith that requires you to think and allows you to use that full capacity. I think that yeah. the Lord is just so kind in mm -hmm. doing that. So I think you and I probably think somewhat similarly. Um, and I think anybody who starts a ministry raising up theologians or Christian thinkers probably think somewhat similarly. Um, and as evidenced by the fact, like in your pop-up shop recently, you had a, a coloring book for the church fathers, I think. Yes. Um, which I think was phenomenal. Um, I mean, but I know that I love those types of things. My wife loves those types of things. You and Josh probably do too. What do you say to the person who maybe isn't, 
you know, a book learner um, isn't somebody who wants to read Athanasius or C.S. Lewis's forward to his work on the Trinity. What do you say to that person who says, I'm not really much of a book person, but I want to think deeply and be moved by Jesus in my mind? I love this. And this is actually a big part of why we do what we do with the shop is trying to create hacks and resources Mm -hmm. to help people to be willing to engage on at least a little bit of a level with some of this stuff that feels too big for them. And we yeah. have so many ideas we haven't been able to do yet, but we're like, for instance, the, the coloring book, we're expanding it this time mm. to include church mothers. So early mm. church women as well. And so each one has just a short, like two paragraph summary, and then a coloring page, and it can be mm-hmm. for adults or for kids. You can right. use it with your family or yourself. And I think that just gives somebody just a little tiny two paragraph summary of who this person was information. They might not otherwise seek out or be interested in, but what does it tell them? It tells them I'm not alone in this faith. There've been people thousands of years before me who died to Mm. preserve it. There are people who went through difficulty to make sure I had a Bible and they just get that little tiny blip of information and maybe they color the page with their kids and that's all they get for a couple months. Yeah. But it gave them something. Yeah. It gave them a piece of history, a piece of their legacy. And I think a big part of what we do as well, which you know, is we pull in a lot of church history alongside the theology. This isn't just like, oh, we just made up these concepts. They're rooted in history because many Christians don't know where they came from as far as their, their, you know, their historical legacy of their faith. And the more, you know, about that, I think the more you actually have security in our current times, Mm -hmm. because you can see this actually isn't anything new. Persecution of Christians isn't anything new. This is a repeat of past history. So it's, it's encouraging Mm -hmm. in more than one way. Yeah. And like a large part of what you do uh, through social media, and then even like like I mentioned, you have courses and um, so many different outlets. Questions is such a big part of the way that you go about your ministry. Um, I've mentioned that you do Q and A's at least once a week. Sometimes it seems like multiple times a week Um, for the whole spectrum of learning. How vital in your own experience, whether it, cause I, cause part of your story that I, 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 I enjoy so much is when you say that you got a degree for fun. Um, you know, because you didn't need it. Um, but like, to me, that tells me about like you are a questioner, like you like question, you like learning. Um, so how important in this journey for you and then also for the people who follow you has been just like saying, Hey, like, let's just, let's ask the deep questions and not be afraid of the answers we're going to get. It's so important because as we are willing to ask those questions, maybe when we don't need to necessarily, Mm -hmm. maybe we're not in the middle of a, of a deep season of doubt, or maybe we don't even have the situation in front of us being willing to ask those questions earlier and wrestle with the implications and the answers gives us more of a foundation and security for when the situation actually arises. Mm -hmm. And I do think if the church had been more comfortable with questions and been better at actually answering them with the robust theology and biblical literacy, in the past, I don't know, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. we probably wouldn't see the amount of deconstruction that we're seeing today Yeah, because the deconstruction camp is very friendly to questions. Mm-hmm. However, it's a questioning away from the foundation instead yeah. of a questioning from the foundation. Yeah. So I try to create a space where 
you are free to ask questions. I will not shame you for asking questions. I won't shame you for saying, I don't even know if God is good. I don't even know if, if God is God, but I will redirect you back to what scripture says mm-hmm. and back to what our, our historical foundation is. Um, that means some people won't stay with me. Um, and that means a lot more actually will. So mm-hmm. it's been encouraging to see that. Yeah. Um, one of the things you just mentioned, and it was on my mind, just even getting ready to talk to you, um, is we, you mentioned that you're not going to shame anybody for any questions. And I, I realized when I was thinking about your ministry and some of the grandiose ideas that you're espousing, and like I said, all things, all people does the same thing is I have found that once you get past that first layer of doubt that somebody says, well, I'm not smart enough to be a theologian or a Christian thinker that typically the biggest bearer barrier is actually oftentimes shame in that, like, you know, I'm not good enough, like, or past experiences. And that's a big part of your story that I know that like the idea that like, you know, your own struggles with sin, um, cause insecurity. And I'm sure that a lot of the women, uh, and men as well that follow you and, and follow all things, all people would say that that is why I can't be a Christian thinker. That's why I can't never mind the terms that you and I use, but that's why I can't really, really passionately follow after Jesus. Cause I haven't conquered this struggle. Like if we're talking about the mind, how do you address that insecurity in the part of people who might be DMing you, or even if they're just listening to you right now and they've never asked you that question, but it's on their mind that they say, I can't follow Jesus with my whole heart and mind because I feel like I'm losing the battle for the mind right now. Mm, mm, Yeah. Yeah. That is a great question. Honestly, I just have to bring it back to, and and this is going to sound like a Jesus juke, but it's, (laughs) It's, it's Jesus, because here's the Mm -hmm. thing. Who's the center. Who's the center of all of this. We can get into all of the salvation theology and the end times theology and all the terms and all the questions about sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. What does it all come back to? It comes back to Jesus. Right. And what did Jesus do with the adulterous woman? Mm -hmm. So this woman standing there covered in shame and he gives her he gives her hope. He says that go and sin no more. You're one repentance away from restoration. You can always come home. So even if you are struggling with a sin, and I speak from experience with this, even if you are struggling with a sin, you can come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to walk with you. King David, perfect example of this. Lord, I I want you to purify my heart. I want you to purify my mind. And I want to follow you with my heart and my mind. I can't do this on my own. I need you. And, and that's where we start and where we end that all of our pursuit of him with our minds is supposed to come back to that heart of knowing he is good. He is kind. He is just, which means he will make us good because he's just, but he's also kind, Mm -hmm. which means we can come to him. Yeah. And I think that that's what kills the shame. It's the person yeah. of Jesus who kills the shame. Yeah. I, I've had a past guest uh, named Sam Chan, who's out of Australia and he's a phenomenal evangelist. And he says, um, just open up the four gospels and just look at the life of Jesus and imagine, you know, being there as a witness for that kind of life and like the effect that it would have on you. And I think you're right. Sometimes we, we take the 
the teachings of Paul and even Jesus and place them like a moral authority over our life and say, well, since I'm not up to snuff, I, I can't follow him. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's not that's not what he's saying at all. Um, and one thing I love so much about uh, the shared goals that your ministry and our ministry has is it really is like he's much more concerned with our minds and our hearts than he is our behavior. And mm-hmm. so just like, yeah, I, I, I think that that's the you say it's a Jesus juke, but I can affirm, like, I get what you're saying. And I think if there's a listener who's, who's listening, who like is struggling with that, it's like, no, that is the right answer. Like just sit and abide in yeah. just like, you know, Mary at the feet of Jesus. Like we, we mentioned Mary already that she, she knew she, she had actually been listening to Jesus. Um, but like the devotional aspect of her life was all of the things she was learning. And so we don't need to have it have it all together. And I think you're a phenomenal example of that in the way that you teach so many of these women, you don't have to have it all together before you come to Jesus. Right. Yeah. You can just come and Mm -hmm. come. We talk about this a lot in context of like quiet times, like spending time with the Lord. Like you don't need to have the basket of highlighters and the commentaries and the coffee. (laughs) That's fine. I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to have that to come. And mm-hmm. the same for men, you know, it, you know, your husband, dad going mm-hmm. to work, like, when am I going to make time for this? Maybe it's, you know, you're worshiping in the car, listening to your audio Bible, or you're jamming it into your lunch break. He just wants you to come mm-hmm. and, and be willing to engage your mind, be willing yeah. to engage your heart. Um, but that doesn't mean that again, you have to have, you have to do this professionally, or you have to have yeah. a office full of uh, leather bound books or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Y- you can just come. Yeah. I-, I have a friend who works for K Arthur's ministry precept. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her the other day and I was just like, I'm horribly intimidated. Like me, like, I, you know, I-, I-, I work as a pastor, multiple degrees, but when I look at the level of study that like a K Arthur teaches with the highlighters and all that stuff, like I'm pretty intimidated by that. So I can't even imagine what it would be like to be somebody who is a new follower, but yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I think you're, I think you're right there and, and I'm with you, but uh, to, to, to make things somewhat practical for the listener, um, maybe, especially if they're not familiar with you and, um, I, I just want to give them a window into some of the things you've been talking about recently, because I, like I said, I do follow you on Instagram. Um, and here lately, like you've been talking about, discernment. And I know you just did um, an online course about discernment and you wrote this tremendous article. I'm going to link to it in the notes for the show, because I think it's a great example. Like when we talk about thinking like a Christian and being a theologian and being a Christian thinker, really, we are talking about at least a large percentage of that is discernment. And your article on discernment, like has a large part to play with that. Um, What in your mind does like the daily forward progress of right thinking and discernment look like in the life of the believer who's trying to make the bridge between theologian in my mind um, to theologian and follower of Jesus in everything I say, do, and think. Okay. So one of my favorite ways of thinking about this is actually by Albert Moeller because Albert Moeller broke down what he calls theological triage. And Mm -hmm. really its context is extremely helpful for deciding what level of importance an issue is Mm -hmm. um, in the world and in Christianity. So one of the problems we have today is like mixing up an issue that's maybe a freedom issue or something that's we can be different on, I don't know, modesty or how Mm -hmm. the family is 
how your family operates, you know, what goes on in your home, um, the school choice, whether you homeschool or public school, things like that versus the resurrection, the virgin birth, Mm -hmm. the sexual ethic, like things like that, that are like top tier essentials of Christianity. Some churches tend to confuse those, right. Mm -hmm. And put like the freedom issues up at the level of a core doctrine issue. And then, you know, you are not a Christian if you don't dress this way, et cetera. So for Christians who are struggling, like between the knowledge and the walking out of that knowledge, what I usually encourage in the discernment classes that I teach is this kind of a breakdown. Let's figure out what those core doctrines are. Let's find out what are the absolute essentials and what are we free to differ on, Mm -hmm. even though we differ graciously. Mm -hmm. When we get that straight, I think it really helps us to walk out the the thinking part of Christianity with grace, Mm -hmm. but also with conviction. Because no one's asking us to abandon our convictions, but the Lord is asking us to be gracious in our convictions. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the danger for a lot of Christians is either no conviction or no compassion. Mm -hmm. And we want to have both. Yeah. You, you make mention, um, I've heard you say it multiple times. I saw it on your website. Like uh, you make mention of how denominationally you almost don't really have a home. Like, I mean, uh, your background is very, is varied and mine is too. You and I both went to a Southern Baptist school, but, um, when we talk about discernment, some point that conversation is going to turn to like the Holy spirit and, um, and like what part the Holy spirit has to play in that. And you just even said like, there's going to be disagreement and there's few topics that people disagree on more of the role of the Holy spirit. So like for you personally, um, just for someone listening, cause the, cause I want to help them understand like, no, Felicia's not just some social media influencer who just says this, like you're living this out. Like, um, what role does prayer and the ministry of the Holy spirit, um, and even seeking the counsel of the wise people around you, your husband, your friends, um, have in helping you discern, what is true or what is good in your daily life with Christ? I love that question. So I'll give you, try to give you some actual, an actual example. So when I have, when I talk about things on online, because I have talked about controversial social issues before things that are Mm -hmm. newsworthy, it's often brought to my attention, people will reach out and say, Hey, can you address this? Can you address this? Can you address this? As if I'm a reporter. Yeah. (laughs) And I understand the, like, I would like to hear your thoughts. I I understand that. Mm -hmm. I would like to hear my favorite writer's thoughts on things too. But the danger there is that if I just, just, you know, shoot off my mouth, Mm -hmm. my initial thoughts about something, I am in danger of communicating thoughts that are not biblical, mm-hmm. are not spirit led, are not gracious. Maybe they're angry in tone. And therefore I have the risk of not discipling my people effectively. And that is a risk I just don't want to take. So my process usually looks like if I sense there's a topic I need to be addressing earlier, I mentioned the Ravi Zacharias mm-hmm. issue. So for example, with that issue, I saw the news come out. I followed the story loosely. I had people requesting that I talk about it, but I just knew I didn't know enough and the time wasn't right. So I talked with I have about eight to 10 women who are in ministry, who are strong, godly women. I, I talked to them. I got some input and thoughts from them. 
I wrote an article. I sent it to three of them. I had my husband read it, but throughout this whole time, I was personally in the word and personally in prayer, Mm -hmm. both over that issue, but also just in, just in general. Mm -hmm. I think that is like I mentioned earlier, being that funnel, you don't want to be a funnel. You want to be taking in the word personally. So it's actually own you're owning your faith, your your walk with the Lord. And if he then says to me, it's not the time you need Mm -hmm. to pull this you shouldn't be posting this. You shouldn't be Mm -hmm. on Instagram. You shouldn't be saying anything about this. Then I don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you from experience, the times I have not listened have been catastrophic, Mm -hmm. um, and, and anxiety inducing and just a mess. And so following the Lord's leading doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I'm preserved from backlash or mean comments or whatever, but Mm -hmm. it does mean I have peace in what I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, discernment and whether to move forward or not. Yeah. So that's just one example. Yeah. Other Christians lives look different than how I do it, but, um, that's how I used yeah. to do it. I, when I was a student pastor, I used to tell students, make a list of the people who, when you talk to, you typically feel encouraged and feel better. And then make a list of the people who maybe that's not so true. And like the first list is kind of an advisory council. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, you have people you can go to and you have that list of women, you have your husband, you have so many friends, but like you, you made sure to say spending time in the word and in prayer is the key that unlocks the the rest of it. Um, and so, yeah, that discernment aspect, like, I think that's a practical side of it. Um, before, before we finish up and I let you go, you've been talking about something on social media the, the last two days that I think is another great example of like putting theology into practice, like not just letting it be a head, uh, effort, but a heart and a mind and a hands too. Um, you, you had this question a couple of days ago about like, um, cause you, up until recently your husband worked out of the house, I think, and, and you primarily stayed at home and, uh, my wife stays at home. I, I work full time as a pastor and then I run all things, all people. And you had this question that has now blossomed into like a two day conversation of, you know, how much should a, should a stay at home mom expect her husband to help? And I'm, I'm reducing the question to a a degree to make it palatable in a podcast, but it's, it's blossomed in this multiple, multiple day conversation. Cause you said yesterday, I think like 60% of the people who responded said that their husbands either didn't, and they didn't know that they could bring it up or that they had brought it up. And the husbands were just like, not on board with it. And my wife and I actually talked about it last night because that's, you know, a big part of our relationship too, is figuring out this. And so um, I'm not asking you to go into detail about, cause I know that like, like you just said, you want to work through that, but that's an example of like where the Bible's teachings and what we know to be true about God and specifically Jesus should really affect how we live our lives. So I can think of just like Paul's instructions to husbands, loving your wives in a sacrificial way, wives respecting and submitting to your husbands. Um, mutual submission, Jesus washing his disciples feet. And it's like all these things, how as a communicator of the gospel and the Bible, do you go about that issue and begin to help people understand this isn't just about helping your marriage prosper, but it's actually about being a devoted follower of Jesus and everything you do. I think you set that up just great because you, (laughs) you made that connection. That's, that's clear that when, when we're dealing with an issue in the home, like this, like 
say it's a wife who says like, I ask my husband to help. He, he never notices. I ask him, he does still doesn't. Um, and then maybe the husband's like, well, I'm working all day and right. like, and then I get home and it's a mess, whatever. However, the situation is framed mm-hmm. as a Christian, what can, what often happens is we hear from the church, well, you know, here's one verse out of context and, and, you know, wives submit. And that means, yeah. <laughs> et cetera. Right. What we do as a discerning thinking Christian, we look at the whole counsel of God, right? Mm-hmm. We look at the whole big picture of scripture. And what is the big thing that we see? We see love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your first neighbor? It's your spouse. Yeah. So, how does loving my neighbor as myself work out in this marriage situation? And then also knowing anything the apostles taught is going to be framed within that love your God, love your neighbor context. It's not like Paul wrote his message to husbands and wives while forgetting that Jesus said that these were the first two greatest Mm -hmm. commandments. He had that in mind. So he would not have said something contrary to what Jesus said. So I think as a discerning thinking Christian, what you're doing is you're, you've got to be in the word, you got to be in prayer. And the more you're in the word, the more you'll see how the word is filtering out into those individual relationships and situations. So in that situation, and you know, my own marriage, Josh and I go back and forth on this, you know, how do we help? How do we negotiate, delegate tasks? But what we have to keep coming away with is God calls wives to respect their husbands and husbands to honor their wives. First Peter three. And so if that is what we're called to do, then how I ask him to help, how he assists and contributes to the home has to be framed around that, that loving, respectful Mm -hmm. conversation. So I think as people really dive into knowing the word and, and seeing the big picture, and then fitting those com- individual commands into the big picture, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to make sense yeah. in those situations. Yeah. Felicia, I think the whole of your ministry, um, at least my vantage point of it, has been helping all sorts of people, primarily women, yes, but anybody who's lucky enough to follow you on Instagram and, and read your books and all these things has been helping people understand theology is not just something for a library, but it's, and it's not even just for the the corporate woman or the single mother, it's for all Christians. And so, um, so I am so appreciative of how you've gone about things. Like I said, you've personally blessed me and my family and my church. Um, a, a whole generation of young women at my church follows you on Instagram and read your books and all these tremendous things. And so um, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the people who've listened to this conversation have been phenomenally blessed. And so I am so thankful for your time and so thankful for what you do and uh, grateful that you gave it to me on to, uh, today for this episode. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a a great conversation.